All right, Val and Brian, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Happy to be here. Awesome. Like awesome. So let's start with you, Val. Let's start talking about you yourself, your background, and how you came to be where you're at today. Well, my background is a family-owned business, and uh, that was something that I got into very uh, or young in life. And I started uh, working for the family business in the late 70s, early 80s. And my parents were in the sports bar liquor store business. And I was recruited into the casino industry, like lured into it like everybody else was in the early 80s. It was the up and coming thing in the Northeast. And I went into that pretty quickly and left my family business. But I always knew I had some kind of real estate background or a real estate um, desire. And I, um, I had a lot of uh, different things that came about in my, in my life that, uh, that, that sort of read, read real estate all over me, but I didn't know it. So then around 82, 83, I had so many folks tell me I should go into real estate. So I did. And as soon as I went into it in 1983, the interest rates went to 15%. Perfectly timed out. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> but it didn't stop me. I, I hung in there and I, I learned the, I, let's put it this way. I learned how to sink and swim, sink or swim, basically, because uh, you just didn't um, sell a house uh, or list a house. You had to sell the, you had to sell the uh, mortgage payment. You had to sell the closing costs. You had to sell the out-of-pocket money. You had to um, find a buyer that would really want to go from a 9% rate that they had from 1977 and now inherit a 15% rate. Um, so it was something that I had to learn. Uh, and when the adjustable rate mortgage was invented in 1984, it really helped all of us. That's what saved our marketplace. Got it. And now fast forward from 84 to, to 2021, just give a little bit about how, how you got to where you're at right now from there. Well, I, I developed the first team in South Jersey. It was 1986. I decided that uh, it was impossible to grow uh, as a one-man band. And if I'm going to be uh, with a buyer perhaps for five hours and there's folks back calling the office and leaving voicemails for me or, uh, you know, they, they wanted to have me come and look at their house or another potential buyer. I, by the time I called them back six hours later, they're like, oh, we're so sorry. We heard good things about you, but we also called someone else. Yeah. And I'm like, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to do this? So I, I developed this idea in my head uh, that I thought, hey, you know, if you have a restaurant has waiters and they have hosts and they have waitresses and they have five cooks, I said, and they've all worked together. And I looked at it one day, I'll tell you what happened. I was sitting with my father at a Philadelphia Phillies game. And my father says, this is team organization. He said, this is the way I run my bar, team organization. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I think that's, I, I, I had this like bell go off and I'm thinking, okay. So I started to try to concept how it would work. You know, I needed someone to really help me with the 
the the biz the paperwork and the and the business part and then i needed someone to help me on the road with listings and buyers and but i wanted them to work like me so i thought well now that's going to the fast food chain business because everybody has to be the same wherever you go it's the same product mm -hmm. so that's how i developed my team i started with two two people and then I went to four and then somewhere in the 90s, I went to six. And then in the late 90s, early 2000s, I went to eight or 10 and now we're 14. And we stay in that 10 to 14 uh, person in a crowd. Uh, I worked a lot of hours. I, I, I put in 70, 80 hours a week my whole life. I did not have a day off unless it was a business holiday. Uh, I, um, I just kept plugging and I, and I wanted to be known as a brand, uh, someone that was, um, easygoing, someone that cared about the customer and someone that was able to listen well. So that was my, that was sort of my forte in the eighties and early nineties is that I, I, I have this. Brian and my team can't can't believe even to today, I have a lot of things memorized and I've collected information um, that has been very helpful to me in my career. Um, not many 10 year old kids want to collect home brochures from <laughs> the 60s and 70s. And that's what I did. I, I wanted to know about every builder. I wanted to know every model of what the names of the models were called. And I got a really good handle on areas that had more demand than others. It was sort of an economic thing that I had. I went to school for, um, I actually went to school at college in the beginning for becoming a teacher. And then I switched in the middle and I became a, uh, I was becoming an architectural engineer. And I had this desire to understand, and I also had this economic piece of me where I felt like, why did some neighborhoods, if a builder built the same house in XYZ community, how come in another community it could sell for 20, 30,000 more? So that I had to teach myself. And that ended up being school driven, closeness to the city, um, the demographics, um, the enjoyment of the town, the crime levels, and that's sort of what made values go up and down the whole time. Um, and uh, I, I, and I had a very good handle on on knowing when I sold my young clients their their their, their houses. I always told them in the 80s, and we have a lot of clients come back to us 30, 40 years later, that said to me, Val, if you didn't put us in this house in 1985, we would never, our kids would have never gone to the school district, and we would have never made 300,000 profit on our house. We were going to buy in another area, and you told us this is where we belonged and this is where we where you felt we belong and that's what had, and the referral base um was so in, was just incredible for me in my career and it still is and i'm forever 
forever grateful for it. Um, but that's what we, that's something that we, we, we thrive on is, is knowing that we have the referral base, constant referral base. Awesome. So you talk about building that team out. You have one of your team members here, Brian. Brian, let's go through a little bit about your background and, and kind of how you got to be where you're at today with that. Sure. So I, uh, I have not been in the business quite as long, uh, <laughs> but I came from a corporate uh, medical sales background. Um, I did that for about seven or eight years out of college and always had an interest in real estate, especially on the investment side um, and was beginning to to want to dabble. And I, I hit a point where I just made a decision that I wanted to get into real estate. So I went ahead, I got licensed, didn't really talk to anyone about anything. And um, doing my research knew that I wanted to be on a team because coming into this industry, if you're just a, a no name agent, no one knows who you are, it's, it's very difficult to build up a business. Um, coming into a, a well-respected team, you're able to gain instant credibility and you're also able to learn at a much faster pace. So when I was doing my research, you know, there was two, three teams that kept popping up, the mm -hmm. top teams that I wanted to be on, one being uh, Val's team. And I was scrolling through one night, it was probably 12, one in the morning. And I looked at one of the pictures on his website and a guy from a gym that I train at, that I was friends with, was in the background of the picture. So. <laughs> I sent him a text like in the middle of the night, like, <laughs> do you know Val? Can you set me up with an interview? He's like, yeah, no problem. So he hooked that interview up and uh, hit the ground running ever since. Got it. And you've been there since 2016, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. yep. That's awesome. So Val, let's talk about this team you've assembled a little bit here. Just talk about kind of the different roles, different services that this team provides to your clients. Our team is right now 14 total people mm -hmm. um myself i am the team leader brian is the managing partner uh we have established ourselves a marketing director someone that can uh make sure that the property is is, is placed correctly in the multiple listing it's advertised correctly it's social media um, it's, it's, if brochures are required, we have those available. Um, all the little things, all the little trinkets that happen every day with, uh, warranties, uh, descriptions, people want a price change. People want to lower the price, raise the price, take the refrigerator out, all this stuff that just happens all the time that someone needs to change. So Br Brianna is our marketing director. We have a team coordinator and processor who takes all the little details that happen all the time in a transaction, um, title issues, survey issues, inspection issues, mortgage delays, paperwork, um, the, 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 recording, the recording of things, um, um, all the little trinkets people call us all day long and all night long with their concerns and their worries. So Debbie is that person that pretty much puts out, you know, numerous, numerous fires and helps folks get to point A. She sort of kicks in once Brian and I get the house under contract, 
then it goes over to the court team coordinator. However, Debbie's always there too for appointments and things like that when people call in on the road um, for appointments and we're both out on the street she will schedule the appointments, uh, appraisers, listings, buyers, things of that nature, um, which is sort of what Brian does too. He oversees all the assistance. He makes sure that we are, we are kept out into the world as far as our name goes. He sets up all of our, our, um, our, our, inch, our intricate pieces that help our team stay recognized. Um, and he keeps the team pretty much motivated and helps with all the expenses, controlling our expenses. Um, and then we have a field coordinator. A field coordinator is somebody, it sounds like an easy job, but it's really not. <laughs> no. <laughs> because you have folks that, you know, can't get up on a ladder. Their smoke alarms aren't working. They don't have carbon monoxide detectors. Their fence is falling apart. And now the borough says, we're not, a, we're not passing this house unless you fix the fence. So we, there's all these things. And we supply as a team, concierge team, we supply the people that you need to get these things done. Because if not, they're stuck finding folks to do all of this stuff. And so our team, people look at this as a service um, that comes all in one package so they don't have to go out and find all these pieces uh, mm -hmm. to make their transaction smooth. Um, so we have the field coordinator and then we have 10 salespeople who are basically trained by Brian and I to be able to um, oversee uh, the leads that come in, uh, the referrals that come in, um, and we teach them every day of the week, pretty much about, you every know, every day there's something new. every day we're teaching them and training them about, uh, the market and the pricing and negotiations and accepting rejection. Uh, we see, you know, a lot of bidding wars nowadays and, uh, you, you really have to be a big boy and pull your pants up and say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make this work. Yeah. Uh, it's so easy to give up. Yeah. Uh, and not just, easy to put deals together in, no. in a market this competitive. So, right. And it's skill. It's skill. We, 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 we win about 80, 80%, I would say maybe 90 uh, 80 to 90%. And the reason why we help our, our buyers win is because we have the skills, we have a reputation of bringing qualified buyers. Uh, we're very thorough and we, we, uh, we, 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 we strive to keep that reputation. I mean, we, we have a lot of folks that tell us in a survey that we are thorough and we have our acts together. So that's what the team does. Um, and everybody has their piece. Um, and uh, again, it's just like the baseball team. Uh, you're missing the second baseman and the center fielder. Everyone hits the ball to the second baseman and yeah. the center field and the team starts to crumble. So we have we have to have all the bases covered. Absolutely, and it seems like you absolutely do. Um, you know the importance of having that team there. It's a different experience than just going with a 
a one-man show like you talked about earlier. Brian, I want to shift gears a little bit with you and just talk about the areas that you guys serve and what you're seeing right now in these areas. Sure. So we serve all of Burlington, Camden, and Gloucester counties. We, we even dabble a little bit down the shore, Ocean City, Sea Isle. Um, but our primary markets are going to be, you know, your Marlton, Cherry Hill, Voorhees, Mount Laurel, Haddonfield. Um, Haddonfield um, and then, you know, the surrounding areas. Um, right now, we're seeing an extremely competitive market. Mm -hmm. um, not only is there a huge influx of new first-time homebuyers that have never been in the market before, you know, your 25 to 30-year-olds that are buying their first home, um, you've also got a massive influx of buyers coming from more expensive locations or more congested locations like Philly and New York. So when you couple that with the transplants from the city, your North Jersey coming down for, you know, lower priced homes mm -hmm. and you've got all the new time first buyers coming into the market. It's basically uh, the perfect storm coupled with low interest rates. Uh, the market's just on fire. That's why we're seeing prices skyrocket through the roof and we're seeing bidding wars on essentially every single property we list. Absolutely. And so we're, I want to talk with one of you about buyers, one of you about sellers. We'll start with Val. I'm a seller right now. I'm, I'm a prospective seller. I'm thinking about selling my home. What are you telling me? I'm in the South Jersey area. What, do you, what are you telling me as a, a prospective seller? Okay. So as a as a <laughs> sorry oh. about that, prospective seller, say that 10 times quick. Know, right? um, so as a prospective seller, we we always look at every seller the same individual way uh whether you have a hundred and fifty thousand dollar home or a two million dollar home the process is so important um i we both do this the same way we like to come out and visit we like to hear your goals. We like to hear what you're thinking about doing, why you want to sell. Um, are you just thinking of a change? Are you relocating? Are you in some other kind of an unfortunate predicament? Um, and we like to just know because we believe that when we do your market analysis, which is a, a full x-ray of that market where you live, it could change if you're in a situation that you don't share with us as a seller. For instance, when we went through the recession of the 08-012, we had situations where I didn't know my clients were four, four or five months behind in the mortgage. So when I visit you and do a consultation, I come out and say, uh, are you current with your loan? Um, are you are you in a situation where you don't really need to sell quickly? Um, are you do you want to sell quickly? Um, because when we do the analysis, we look at the analysis. The analysis is a very detailed X-ray of the market. I take comps that are very similar to your house. I spend a lot of time, an hour sometimes sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes two hours. It's according to the style house you have. 
And I make sure that when we walk through, we look at your basement, we look for cracks, we look for mold, we look for asbestos, we make sure that you don't have any any objections. We don't, we want to make sure that your neighbor's homes on both sides of you are acceptable to a potential new buyer. Um, we point out things that are great about your house, things that aren't so great about your house. If you have pet odor, cigarette smell, we're going to tell you right then and there, like this is something we should work on. Um, we then come back on a second visit uh, we do an extensive seller's net sheet so you have no surprises that when you sell, you don't realize at the settlement table, like, what's this charge here of $3,000, Val? Well, that was your tax, your transfer tax. So I hear a lot of clients that we meet say, you know, when we bought our house through so-and-so, we didn't even know half the stuff. Yeah. And um, so we give you a very detailed detailed package about what you what you're getting for the house and we also predict what is a fair sold price so much of our so many of our competitors tell you what to ask but never tell you what's a reasonable acceptable offer so we tell you today you should ask 469 and take 500 <laughs> Okay, so that's what we're doing yeah, now. Right? All right, so these folks that want to sit there and say, do you think we'll get 520? Maybe we should wait another week. It's like, okay, you know, you came up at 469, you got 500. That's it. Don't, if, if you're on the market six days and that's it, don't, don't play with it. Now, there's times in my career where I know people made big mistakes. 07 was the number one year of a mistake because I came to the house in May of 07 and their house was 549. I had a 560 offer. Oh, well, you know, Betty got 590 and we, she didn't even have a new kitchen. I'm like, I know, but it seems like the market's getting a little different this past month. And they still got over list but they passed and they waited and then they waited and then they got another bid was 530. And then by July and August of 07, there were no more offers, no more, no more offers. And by October, they were in the force. The market turned so abrupt and so fast. And the inventory went from, in, I'm using Voorhees as an example, of like 36 homes available between 400 and 700 to like 90 in like three months. It was like, where are all these houses coming from? And I remember, I remember real estate friends and out of state realtors that would look my name up. Now we have a listing referral for you. I'm like, it was almost like saying, I'm going to let my pit bull out of the cage. Do you mind? I'm like, yes, put him back. I didn't want another <laughs> listing. Like, I was like, oh, no. So we really were looking for buyers. Now we hope for listing appointments. But I think that what's happening is this is where you really have to 
you that's what's good about my team we are great at listing and we are great at buyers both 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 sides of the fence we can we're good at both sides we can we're very good at both sides of the transaction yeah. there's awesome. some agents that are only good with buyers and fair with listings but i feel we're excellent in both arenas Absolutely. And so Val got us up to speed on the selling game here. Brian, let's talk a little bit about a prospective buyer. I'm getting in. I, I want to get into this wild, wild west of a marketplace. What are you telling me right now if I come to you and say, hey, I want to buy a home here in South Jersey? Yeah, well, sort of like Val said, you know, we <laughs> are you a cash buyer? <laughs> yeah, right. If not, just go hide no, in a closet. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no we're, teasing. we're joking. Yeah. But um, look, we, we want to get to know the client first, right? So what what's your budget? What areas do you want to be in? What are you looking for? And hopefully when we talk to them, they have a realistic expectation. If they don't, we're going to bring them back down to earth and sort of explain the situation to them. And then it's sort of just, you know, setting that precedence of how strong this market is. A lot of people know they're reading about it. They see it on the news. They're you know, they've been in a multiple bid situation before they've seen what's going on. But for us, it's really just explaining to them the, the current values of the market. And we can't guarantee that it's going to stay high or it's going to drop. We get that question asked every day. Oh, well, we're just going to wait for it to slow down. Well, the people that told us that last April, you know, they, they purchased the same house for 30,000 more than they could have last April, this April. Mm -hmm. So, is waiting the right answer? I mean, probably not. If you look at real estate in the history mm -hmm. of, you know, all of real estate, it goes up, right? It keeps going up and it's going to continue to go up with inflation mm -hmm. hitting and, you know, asset prices will always continue to rise. So if you're a home buyer and you love the home and you want to get into it, we'll help explain and, and go over that process of why overpaying and getting into bidding wars is okay. You know, if you're looking to invest or or flip a house mm -hmm. right now, it can be pretty dangerous. And I'll add one more thing into this mix with Brian and also our team sales associates. We are we're directors. Um, we we give you advice on the builder. We give you advice on the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. We give you advice on what we feel about the construction. We give you advice on what we feel the long-term resale would be. So we have a lot of clients that ask us this question all the time. Um, if we purchase an XYZ neighborhood for 600, do you feel if we called you back in five years, I know you don't have a crystal ball, Mr. Brian and Mr. Val, but could you break us even do you feel in five years if we buy in this community? Now, every community is a slide rule. Every community has a cap and a low, okay? And some folks take a house, buy it, and put 200 in it. And then they call us back in three years. What they, do, what they did is they took the cap, they bought the model that was already at the cap, and then put 200 more in it. So they went into it. It's almost like saying in the auto industry, <coughs> excuse me, someone buys the, will pick on uh, Audi. 
Um, you know, you have the Audi has all these numbers. You have the A8, you have the A7, you have the A6, you have the A5, you have the A4, and you have the A3. Okay, so it's like buying the A4 at the A8's price. Okay, you're driving an A4, but you paid ninety two thousand for it. So now you go to trade it, and they're like, "Yeah, it's twenty one thousand." You're like, "What?" I bought an Audi, but you didn't buy the model that was able to get you the number. So as, as salespeople, we just don't bring you to the house and hope you win the bidding war. Mm -hmm. But we also tell our clients, I would not buy this house. I would not pay this. I would not recommend it. Um, now, everybody says long-term. There's yeah. long-term, okay? So you grow into it. But if you're one of these buyers, and this is something that our clients come to us for, the advice, now we get relocated every two years. We have a lot of work with the sports industry. We do a lot of work with our South Philadelphia, South Jersey players. And, and military. Uh, and military. And they're very concerned. Uh, we get traded. Um, we have to leave in a year. Uh, you know, now again, economic problems, <laughs> that's something we can't control. You know, rates go to 17% next year. It's like, what? So, but we are very worried about our clients' investment. And when they call us back, which we hope they do, um, we want to be able to sit there and say, you know, based on what we predicted, this is where you're at today. So that's a little bit more that we do for the buyer that I, and Brian's yeah. great at that. You know, he's, uh, I have heard him tell folks, I would not buy that house for 450,000. I know you love it, but I think you should go to this marketplace. If you're going to spend 450, you should buy this marketplace. So it's like saying, don't buy the A3, yeah. go with the A6 because you're paying X amount. Yeah. Like the rule I learned um, from him was I, you, the home I put my buyer into, if there is an emergency and they call us back in a year and they want to sell, mm -hmm. they're not going to lose money. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like the rule of thumb where I try to put my clients into those situations where they're mm -hmm. not going to get stuck uh, if for some reason they do have to leave in a year. Most mm -hmm. don't, right? But if Or we do, can rent it for the payment. Correct. If we can rent your house for the payment, you will be fine. Right. In you an can carry it. Right. You can always carry it. Mm -hmm. right. You can move home. How many people did we take in 07 to 09, took them out of the house, put them in with mom and dad. They moved in with grandma. They moved in with mom and dad. They moved in with a sister. They went wherever they went because they were behind on the mortgage. And I said, listen, your payment's 26. I can get you 25 rent. I'll rent it in a month. And I got a tenant. Um, and it saved the house uh, from going under. But, you know, there's this is this is a talent um, that you, 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 you just, well, I'm going on 39 years of doing this. So you start to get to that point where I'm the kind of person, there's no such, there's no such word as no. I don't want to hear no. I don't want to hear it's impossible. Um, I don't, I, I, I always look for a way to save the situation. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, and, and even when we have a buyer that says, you know, with the home inspection, 
okay? There's a cracked foundation, the roof sagging in, the decks falling off the house, there's severe termite damage. We send the report to the listing agent and their answer is, we're not doing anything. <laughs> I'm so sorry that the roof caved in. So we have to stick up for our buyer and get them out of the deal. Yeah. You know, or unless they want to do it. But, you know, there's there's so much that can go wrong when you're buying um, that uh, you need an experienced you team. You need experience. To, to guide right, you through it. right. Because things can get tricky. Absolutely. Know? And so, Val, you talked about back in the heyday there of 15% mortgage rates, right? Let's talk yeah. a little bit about rates today. Um, you know, the impact they're having and kind of where you forecast second half of this year. I know yes. you don't have a crystal ball, but just a little bit about the impact of rates right now and kind of where you see it short term uh, moving or not moving at all. We have a lot of talk of inflation. I'm mm -hmm. seeing it everywhere. Uh, I'm seeing shortage of workers. I'm seeing uh, gas prices, grocery store um prices going up this reminds me of the 80s the early 80s it was very similar um so we we history repeats itself quite often however we are in a market that a lot a lot of people keep saying to me when's the bubble crash when's the crash when's the bubble you know i know it's coming it's around the corner I had a lady today, she goes, I hope you get me out of here by September 1st. I'm like, why? She goes, that's the day it's going to burst. <laughs> I was reading this. I'm like, where? I want to see the article. Um, so I, I, so here's my, you know, again, 38 years, 39 years, this October 23rd. So everyone's picturing this 2021 to mimic 2007, 2008. 2007-2008, are you breathing? Yes. Oh, you're approved. You got the loan. Okay. Oh, I, and how much do I need to put down? 5%? It's like, really? Yes. Don't worry. I'm like, oh, okay. So now, and the appraiser, I would call the appraiser. Are you going to come to the house? We drove by at 90 miles an hour. It's great. I'm like, oh. Oh, okay. So I started here, you know, that was 05, 06, 07. If you were in the hospital in intensive care and the <laughs> doctor said he's got a few months, you, you made settlement. Okay. It was over. So now where we are in the 2021, June and July, okay, um, are always unpredictable months. That seems to be, if I, I, I could be on this show talking and now for an hour about what months change and what months have a history of change, but that's another show. So right now we see June and July always getting wobbly. We just came out of two weeks of wobbleness where we started to see the less buyers, more inventory, and actual price reductions in a few listings. We saw some houses with arrows pointing down 10, down 20. Nobody saw that for months. Mm -mm. 
it, so mid June to early July, we started to, and I predicted this to the team in May. I said, watch June and July, it will get a little wobbly. So what that means is don't think just because you list a house, it's going to get 20 showings and you're going to have a bidding war. It's not going to be that easy in July. Now, starting Monday, which was three days from today, <laughs> somebody turned the fireplace on again, it came like back. really hot. And the buyers suddenly, now why is that happening? Because the rates have jumped up twice in the last five days. We went from 2.9 to 3.2 to 3.5. So now we're seeing a lot of 3.5s, 3.25s. And that gets folks thinking like, oh boy, they're going to go back to four, four and a half. They, you know, to me, that is still extremely low. 65-year-old person, that is still very, very low. Um, so as we get into the fall, you're going to see uh, pretty much the same study, steady market that you have now. Um, you're going to see a little more inventory than we normally see in the fall and winter, but the buyer flow will still be about 25% more than the sellers, 25% more buyers than the sellers. Now, we turn the bend, we get through the winter and so forth. And, and we've got, of other, we got a couple other complications that are going to interfere. The variant is very complicated right now. The back to school, will the kids really go into the school so the parents aren't trapped at home again where they need to stay home with the children, with their little laptops opened up, and then the parents are trapped in the house and it causes people to become, as you can tell, the drivers on the road driving erratically. People want everything quickly. I saw someone the other day in a restaurant throw, pick up the entire table and flip it because his order was not ready and he was waiting for a pickup order and it wasn't done yet. And he said, I've been standing here for 30 minutes and flipped one of the tables and ran out. So people are becoming very anxious and they're getting worse and worse. And that's because they were in a cage. They were in a cage because they couldn't go here and they couldn't go there and they couldn't get in a plane and they couldn't travel and couldn't have their friends over. So it's, we're going through these cycles. So the migration started, I gotta get out of the city the crime, the COVID, I got to move over there. I want an in-ground pool. I, I need to do this. I need to do that. So their migration started. How long does it take for people to get resituated? Normally 12 to 24 months. Everyone makes their plans and they start to get resituated. We are now going into the 12th, maybe the 14th month of this shift okay 10 months added to july of 2021 puts you at may 2022 that's when buyer flow will start to they will start to feel i am not paying 
$575 for a house that was $525 last summer, okay? Or $475 the summer before that. So there's going to be not so much what I call the wing clipper, which was 0708. We're in a plane and they someone said, I'm so sorry, I'm cutting your wings <laughs> off and you're going down in two seconds. This is going to be a one wing clip. That's it. So she's going to come in, right? She's going to come in like, okay, where is a scully in the, in the, in the, in the river? Yes. Yeah, like, Bring you all down. Hold on. So it's going to be one of these. Some people are going to get hit more than others. Um, and some will actually stay okay. So there's going to be this shift where the buyers will still be there because we have so many people trapped in rentals. The rentals are through the roof. They're all booked solid. So because some of these folks can't find a home, they don't want to overpay. They went into a one-year lease. So 2022 is going to be a BB minus market. Um, again, those with inventory will do well. Uh, in all price ranges, like my team, we have 150 to 2 million. Um, so we handle all marketplaces. So, but it will not be as hot starting in May of 2022. The market will not be on fire. You look at a house with your partner and you go home and you can think about it for the weekend and call your realtor Monday and say, you know, Brian, I'd like to go back to that house. Can you set it up? And he says, sure, it's still showing active. Where now you leave him at one o'clock on Friday and you go to lunch and you call back at three and it's sold. <laughs> so that, that's going to start, you know, fading. Um, and, then, and then my biggest fear is the 2024, the 2020, late 2023, into somewhere in 2024. Now we're going to be going into another election um, into that 2024 marketplace. And, you know, then again, it's always, you know, a different type of, of time frame. So overall, I'm going to say we're going to end up 2021 in an A grade market, both for the seller and still for the buyer, they're getting a low rate. They can't complain. Yeah, they're paying over what they should, but they're, they're getting such a low rate. They can't, you know, they're saving a fortune. Um, the 2022 market um, is a BB minus. It's a one wing, um, you know, you throw the complainers out the exit and, you know, and, and keep going. Um, but 2023, I think you'll be back to a balanced, balanced market, which which is what we normally have. Um, but there's some fear that I have along the way. I, I feel like we'll have quarters. That's the word I'm looking for. We'll have quarters that can get a little tight. Um, sort of, Brian, like 018, you know, 019, where we would have team meetings and we'd talk about, wow, you know, we'd go around the room and some of our salespeople, you know, were like, I'm really getting nervous. It, it seems like, you know, we're not getting like the leads coming in and our open house, we had only two people come. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was for like two months. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly 
it it went back to nor you know there was these spotty times mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. what i feel for the next 24 months absolutely awesome so stay under four and a half that's that's another prediction the rates oh. will dip into the fours you will see the fours uh be in the next 24 months you'll see somewhere in the in the fours Got it. So Brian, people listening right now, loving what Val and you are saying, how do they get in contact with you? How do they start to work with you? Seller, buyer, how do they reach you and the team here, obviously? Sure. So they can, they can call us. Um, they can find us online. Uh, they can look us up on Instagram, Facebook, the Val Nunning Camp team. Um, probably, probably easiest to find us on there with all of our information. Um, and most, most buyers now will check us out on, on Instagram or, or Facebook. Um, and they can also just check us out online at valcansell.com. Awesome. Valcansell.com. Val can certainly sell. <laughs> awesome, guys. Thank you both for joining us today. Fantastic stuff. Brian, thank you. Val, thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Thanks a lot. Appreciate awesome. it. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you.